one day my dad said let's let's meet up I'll, you can come over we'll have lunch I came back to see my dad and my stepsisters were there and I came inside and they were nine-year-old twins and they both said Meg us about God we want to know and I was thinking great my first encounter with my dad and my sisters uh, we ended up talking for a long time and they got on their knees and gave their life to the Lord you're listening to altered stories with Michelle Renee Gutch hello friends and welcome to my 28th episode Meg's story my name is Michelle Saunders Gutch your storytelling host and founder of Altered Stories Ministry, a faith-based nonprofit located in Overland Park, Kansas, that helps Christian women share their God stories so women around the world can hear them. Thanks for listening to the show. I hope all of you listeners out there are doing well and enjoy listening to my last podcast, Rachel's Story, the faith story of my bear, Jeff. Before I get my show started, I wanted to share that the Spark Christian Podcast Conference was amazing. A big shout out to Misty Phillips, host of By His Grace Podcast, for her great work in putting this conference on. It was incredible. So many exciting connections have been made. You can check out a few of my conference picks on my Instagram account. And I'm super excited to be able to apply some of my new learnings from this conference to my podcast show moving forward. So moving on, let's get this show rolling. I am blessed. And I'm incredibly honored to be interviewing my special rock star letters from home podcast host guest, Meg Glissner from Seattle, Washington, right here in Houston, Texas. I met Meg through the Christian Podcasters Association online Facebook group. Meg has been an incredible supporter and listener of my podcast and has also given my show a great review on iTunes. So let's get to know Meg. Meg tells me that she is a grateful child of God trying to live her best life with her husband and their three kids left at home of eight, total ages 29 to 14. She's an amazing Christian mom out there. And her podcast, Letters from Home, is a great podcast. It takes a peek into hearts and everyday extraordinary faith stories. If you get a chance, you need to listen to her podcast. There's so much heart into it. I am just in awe of how much effort she puts into each of her podcasts. You will all enjoy listening. In her God story today, you will hear from Meg about her journey through a very difficult childhood and how the Lord saves her at 16, how she suffered for her faith at 17, and how she was deeply changed by the love of God in her life, and as a result, extends her heart and home in Seattle, Washington, to continue sharing that love to others. Welcome, welcome, Meg, to the show. Thank you, Michelle. I feel so blessed to be on Altered Stories, and I know the Lord's given us a special friendship. We prayed several times before this conference, and now we finally get to meet face-to-face. -face. I know, and I love it. And it's been a blessing to spend time with you this weekend and get to know you a little better. I love your connection spirit. It's amazing. But how are you doing? How are you doing, Meg, today? Today I'm doing great. I mean, like you said, the conference was so amazing. All the connections. There's so many amazing people out there trying to make a difference in our hurting world through podcasting. And I just feel like we all got armed and equipped to do what we're doing more excellently 
So praying, feeling great and praying God's going to keep using all these podcasts to bless our world. Yes. And I am really blessed that you and your husband um, were so gracious in trying to help me get here. And I thank you so much for that great support that you provided me in being here. So I know God's going to honor that. And it's it's incredible. That's all I can say to see the love of God and how he works through you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your podcast before we get into the details of your God story. I know our sure. listeners always, man, they want to get right to the story. I mean, there's, you know, an Enneagram, I think uh, my last podcast, Brandy, she's like deep dive, you know, into, but I like to at least kind of share with the listeners. And by the way, I learned so much about how to treat your listeners. Hey, all you listeners out there, you all are rocking and you're all VIPs. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but let's, let's just hear a little bit about your podcast. Do you mind sharing so I can, you know, give some love to, out to it? Thank you. Well, in 2 Corinthians 3, it says that our lives are like a letter. And so my podcast is called Letters from Home. And we really seek to share a life story, something to each person's life story, what God has done in their life. So we started this podcast just that it would be an audio letter letter of encouragement mm-hmm. from heaven's doorstep to a listener's home. We have a lot of different guests, 11-year-old girl who started a cupcake uh, business to help feed the homeless, mm-hmm. and a 94-year-old woman who lived in Africa for 40 years and helped translate a Bible. So, I've got a variety of episodes and letters yeah. and praying that it would just encourage so many. Well, I just want to give you a little love out there. I know it's a little different than we talked about originally, but we're going to get to the the what I would call the deep details of the story here. You know, I love stories. It's on my heart. I love helping women share them. So I want to thank you for trusting me today with your God story. And it's not easy to share. Uh, it, it's sometimes it takes a whole lot of courage to muster up and talk through those hard things. You know, I just want you to know how much I appreciate your trust in me and that you would be willing to come in and bless our listeners by sharing some of the great work that God has done in your life. So where did your God story start? Michelle, my God's story started in the 60s in a house with a bunch of college kids and they were playing bridge and there is this beautiful girl jean who was very smart with bright blue eyes and across the room freddie saw her and heard she was so good and asked her to be his bridge partner asked her to be his bridge partner and they dated for a bit and then they broke up and then my dad freddie got in a terrible accident where he was playing football and ran into a telephone pole backwards and he he ended up in a coma for over a week Mm. and my mom was so distressed about that she came to see him when he came to And they had a very quick fling, Mm -hmm. and my brother was conceived. And uh, they they were both raised Catholic Mm -hmm. and got married, but from the very beginning, they just didn't get along. They were both selfish and young. They were young and immature, and my mom had still brought her laundry over for her mother to do. She didn't learn how to cook a meal or make her bed. Mm -hmm. My father didn't have a father at home. His father left when he was a couple of years old, and my my father had also lost his brother as an infant. And so he grew up without a father, and it was just a very explosive, bad combination from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So in Memphis, where they were married, uh, 
year later, I came along. So they had two kids and were trying to provide and my dad had to move to Alabama to find it. They moved to Alabama yeah. to find a job. Then my sister was born. At that point, my dad just, he's always struggled with anger and the anger only grew. Yeah. So from my earliest moments, my home, our home, it was a place where there wasn't a lot of love there. They tried, and yeah. I love my parents. They tried, but my dad was very angry, and his anger was unchecked, mm-hmm. and it just got worse and worse to the point where he was physical with my mom. And while she was in Alabama, she tried to tell her parents, he's not treating me right, but they didn't believe her. They didn't believe my mom. Is there a reason why they didn't believe your mom? I mean, I know it's kind of a deep question, but was it was it because of the generation? And, you know, some some generations always typically side with a man, you know, back in the day. I'm not saying that was the case, but do you know why they didn't believe your mom? It, you know, it could be some of that. Yeah. And I think... I've my and I think my mom, you know, was a little on the independent side, one of those harder yeah. kids to direct, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And I think she was a little bit dramatic and I don't know if that played into it as well. Yeah. Okay. I get it. So his job didn't work out there and then he found a job in California. So my mom, she's do I go with him or do I I stay, go try and go back to my family in Memphis. Yeah. And she decided to go with him. So my mom, feeling like the black sheep in her family, with an abusive husband, with three children, nobody doesn't know a soul in California moves there. So this this was my early childhood. Another another child came along. So they had four kids. So they had three, two and under, and then four, f- five and under. And it was a very volatile place. The abuse continues. And my dad turned to alcohol to deal with his loneliness, I believe. And my mom turned inward. That's how she dealt with the abuse and probably the loneliness is to kind of almost check yeah. out and go inward. Yeah. Some, so, some, some, some personality types, that's how they deal with it. Yeah. 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 I, I'm sure. And some are exterior and they exert anger so yeah that's how my husband and i are we're i'm the anger he's the withdrawer oh interesting mm-hmm. yeah it's funny how marriages can yes be sometimes yes yes the opposite of- <laughs> yes I, in the flesh i mean obviously in the spirit then we are different but yeah that's when we get into the flesh side but and What's funny is the only memory I have of my parents being married is shortly before they divorced. And I was just, I think I was four, maybe, maybe I had just turned five. Mm -hmm. And I just remember hearing so much yelling and screaming. And mom ushered us into a bedroom. We're in this bedroom on all four of us kind of on a, on a bed and the door was closed and I could hear that. Christmas song, Oh Tannenbaum, Oh Tannenbaum, and just screaming and yelling above that. That is my only memory that wow. I have. Wow. And well, just so you know, a lot of therapists that I've talked to and have been educating me in terms of trauma, they talk about, and myself coming out of it, they talk about the fact that you can't always remember it's spotting. So, I mean, you might yeah. remember bits and pieces of it. So, I mean, but it's interesting how that resonated with you. The music resonated with you. And my feeling responsible, I do remember f- feeling the sense of, oh, are my brothers and sister, or is my brother and are my sisters okay? Just kind of that maternal instinct as a little little Child. girl, making sure they were okay when I yeah. heard the yelling and I was distressed myself. Right. That shows the caring person you are. Mm-hmm. Well, and just in light of memory, so right. my earliest memory 
And I did not remember this. And, you know, as we go on in my story, we'll hear, hear more of my story. But uh, what, it, what I'm about to share, it's, it's personal and hard, but I didn't remember this until I was about 18. But my very earliest memory, I, one of my best friends, I was at her house. We were all sitting in a circle and we yeah. shared a question. Everyone share your earliest memory. And I was hearing people go around and share their memory. And I was so stressed because I knew what my earliest memory was, which I wasn't going to share there. And I tried to think of something else. But my earliest memory is being sexually abused by my father. And nobody really wants to have that as your earliest memory. You would love to have your, what other people said in that group was, oh, my mom's sweet voice reading me a book, my grandmother, my, you know, and I'm like, well, my earliest memory is not that. So, again, for me, my early home was home was a place of hurt and not a place of healing. Yes. It wasn't safe for you, Meg. It wasn't safe. And that's hard. Yeah. It's very hard to grasp the concept of that because there's sin. And sin comes in. And unfortunately, your dad wasn't a believer. And there might have even been something like that that transpired in his own life that affected him, that resulted in him also abusing you as, as, a, as a small child. Now, I will tell you that my mother was also sexually abused when she was very little by an uncle. Hmm. And she held it in and didn't tell any of us until she was way, way, way past <laughs> her years of raising us kids. So, you know, I, I just remember how difficult it was for her to share that story with me. And so for you to share that, you know, I just want you to know, I, I see God's presence around you and I see him just hugging you and holding you and embracing you because, you know, that's just hard. You know, it's just hard. It's a hard thing to have to endure. And I, I thank you for sharing that. And, what was your experience after that? I mean, did you were you very confused in your mind and wondering, you know, as a child, have you ever really thought through the emotions and discussed that in, in terms of your the way you process that at that age? When I told my mom when I was 18, she handled that so beautifully. She's like, okay, honey, well, if that happened, let's talk about it. And it was a vague but very clear memory. Yeah. I think it was something that happened a couple of times, and that's all that I had in my mind. Yeah. And I'll talk more about it when I, you know, I talk about healing a, a little bit later, but I do remember really a, a probably about six years ago when my mom had gone through cancer treatment I went to stay with her for nine days and she walked me through her entire history of all of her story and she remembers the exact situations of abuse so clearly and I won't share the details but there yeah. were some pretty horrific things um, even during pregnancy and after I visited my mom I talked to my dad and said he was married at the time, and I said, Dad, I would love to have a conversation with you. And I said, I just talked with Mom, and she talked about the whole everything. And and I said, I would like to walk through some situations with you and hear what you think. I love you, and I've forgiven you, and there's nothing that's going to change about our relationship but I just want to know if this, I know you did AA and you went through the steps and this is probably the alcohol speaking because I wanted to respect my dad because right. nobody, <laughs> but for the grace of God, any of us could fall down any, any road of sin. So, we could. So I yes. told him that, but then I walked through every specific situation and the very first situation happened in Alabama where she made him some toast mm -hmm. and it was burned and he yelled at her and he threw the plate across the room and it shattered. 
that was the most mild of situations. And then I, at every house, I, I said this and this and this. Yeah. And I said, so, Dad, was this the alcohol speaking? Do you remember any of this? He goes, ha, ha, I might have thrown a plate. That sounds like me. That was it. That was it. And I have learned in life that sometimes you don't get an apology. Right. And you forgive anyway. And sometimes that's really hard when you've been <laughs> violated in such a giant way. Right. To not ever get a true apology. I want to tell you what I honor how you've responded to that from a godly perspective, because it is only through the grace of God that you can do that. Because for one thing, it's a healing thing for you. And I'm assuming that you talk to a counselor or someone advised you to have those conversations with your dad to try to go through and you know, understand more of why he was doing what he was doing. But, you know, to honor your dad, I mean, obviously, you know, I wouldn't, all I can say is there's many broken people, broken people hurt other people. Your dad had a lot of things in his background that obviously led him to Mm -hmm. where he is. It doesn't excuse any of it. And, it sounds to me, though, that you've gone through the healing and the recovery in such an incredible way, and I honor and respect the way you've handled it. Because I know when I've gone through where someone has not created me, I mean, treated me fairly, you know, I've had a hard time with carrying resentment and unforgiveness and wanting justice and wanting that person to, you know, hurt for that kind of hurt that they did to me. You know, wanting them to have some kind of just conviction. And it didn't ever come in my case, never been. And so you just, like you said, you have to resolve in your mind that you you can't carry that. You can't carry that around because if the person's not gonna take responsibility for what it is or see it, it doesn't matter how you feel or whatever you do. It isn't going to matter. Only the Lord can work in those circumstances to change the heart or open the eyes of the individual that's doing that. Absolutely. And thank you for that. Yes. When the abuse from toward my mother just was in the controlling and all those things was so severe, and even though she was terrified alone in California... One night, she just packed up the kids in a car and Mm -hmm. left. Brave woman. Brave woman. And it's surprising to me, but my dad told me once that that was the worst day of his life. Him as a person. And you would think, really? Yeah, but it's interesting. So he's a hurting person, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my mom left, and then we were being raised by my mom as a single mom on welfare and food stamps moving around i went to 10 elementary schools my dad was kind of out of the picture for about five years not paying child support or anything my mom was raising us all alone and four kids five and under she went in and out of relationships and i got another brother along the way and Somewhere in one of the other relationships, there was, there was another bad guy who was abusive, you know, in a, in a smaller way, but having touching things, and it was to me and my sister. So there was a whole other situation that kind of came up, and my mom immediately ended that relationship because of that, and that ended up with little little Meg in a cop car at seven years old going to the court, you know, to talk about what had happened. What had happened. Oh my gosh, Meg, how how did you <laughs> how did you deal with that? I mean, in, do you recall your I think I just forgot most of my childhood until about sixth grade. I really don't remember a whole lot. That's of what school. trauma does. Yeah, seriously. I, from it's spotty, people forget they want to forget or they repress it. You know, there's all, I mean, I'm certainly, I've just 
been educated by many therapists and have had mental health therapists on my shows. So, so after that, your mom was single again, right? Yes. And then did she remain single for the rest of the time she raised you kids or? So, and my mom was pretty overwhelmed and yeah, we had, she had been married uh, three times and divorced three times. Okay. Um, somewhere in there. And at seventh grade, my dad came back in the picture and he didn't want to do child support. So he asked to take two of the kids. So he took my, bro- my brother, one brother and sister of mine, and moved, moved away. Um, and then the next year, so when I was in seventh grade, uh, the other sister who was with my mom, we all went to live with him for one trial year. And we lived with my dad in seventh grade. My dad was a drunk. He was mean. He was angry. He yelled a lot. And I'm a sensitive person, as you can see. Yeah. And that's hard on a, a little girl who's already heightened alert. And when you're little and you learn that the people nearest you can't be trusted, right? you get on heightened alert and you're on edge and you're always aware about somebody else's emotions. Do they, are, are they okay? Or right. what's going on? And so living with my dad for a year after the year was up, we've got both parents on the phone, you know, and who do you want to live with? And you're sitting here thinking, I don't want to offend my dad. I don't want to make my mom. And then the two who had, were with my dad said they'd stay with him. And the other two, we went back to live with my mom. So when I went back with my mom, there was always this threat, uh, I'll go send you to live with your dad. You know, like, uh, okay. You know, like that was just her threat. There was never one kind word said to each other. That sweet little moment I shared at the beginning, I didn't hear that till I was in my mid thirties and asked my dad, dad, did you at one point actually like my mom and then he told me the bridge story and i asked my mom the same thing it was the only time i ever heard them speak positively about each other till probably in my 50s but anyway when i went back to live with my mom she was very checked out and we were on our own she was dating a lot i was in charge at one point of my little brother and sister for three nights a week when i was in ninth grade yeah and that's kind of young to be in charge, and I was a whole year younger than the average kid yeah. in my school. Yeah. So, anyway, we ended up one day getting in a really big fight when I was in ninth grade. And it ended with, you know, a shoe flying in the air and all kinds of things. And I just walked out the door and I walked seven miles barefoot to my dad's house. And I got there, and my dad said, well, hi, honey, come on in. And, and and my mom had just way overreacted and just said some really awful stuff. And I believe that to this day as an adult. It wasn't me overreacting as a teen. I remember the situation very clearly. Yeah. And my dad said, oh, you can stay with me. But I remember I was so sad to be in his house. I thought, I hate my dad's house. I hate it here. And I remember the first couple nights, I was so sad. I I slept under my bed with stuffed animals piled around me, just crying. I was so sad, right? Did you have a teddy bear? I I, I don't think I you had any special teddy bears. Special or anything? I, yeah, I just, yeah. Nothing, yeah. nothing special, but I was buried under the bed. Yeah. And I remember thinking, Mom, call. Why aren't you calling and saying you're sorry and then letting me come back? She didn't call. She didn't call. And I just said to myself, after a couple of days, I will never live with her again. And she called a couple days later. Oh, Meg, I'm sorry. You want to come back? I said, nope. So I ended up living with my dad and he was an alcoholic and he would fall asleep on the couch every night eating food. Like his plate would be on the ground. It, it, It would just, it wasn't a great situation for kids. He had gone through his single years where he was having all kinds of women over. And then, then he started dating a woman more seriously. And it came to a head one day when they were dating. And she said, if you don't stop drinking, I'm going to leave you. And they were engaged. And so my dad locked himself in a room and there were, he had a harpoon and 
it was this whole crazy moment where my stepmom just packed us up in the car and we called him from a payphone. And anyway, he checked himself into a clinic. So he checked himself in a clinic to get, um, to deal with his alcoholism, which is amazing. And he's been sober all these years, and I'm really proud of him for that. Wow. So it was transformational, and they got married. Once they got married, he, my, my stepmom was very rules-oriented, $5 fine for leaving spots on the mirror. And, I mean, it was really intense. So he was, and he was very controlling still and very angry, and you couldn't do anything wrong, and he but there were some happy times. I mean, we went to play volleyball at the beach. He taught me how to play volleyball, and we made dinner together. So there, there were some good things. You know, every person's a person, you know, right. even if they have a struggle. Mm-hmm. My stepmom had brought two girls with her, and then my sister lived there, and my brother lived there. My brother had actually got kicked out of the house at 16 because he wouldn't get a job. No grace for my brother, and he just really was on the struggle bus for a long time after that. I really felt alone in my heart, like I was kind of on my own. You can't share your deepest things in your heart. And I, I just remember thinking, oh, I just really want to be popular and all the moving and all the things, uh, going to 10 elementary schools, all that. I, I kind of turned to sports and became quite a good athlete. So I just was really good at sports. And I remember thinking, I just want to be popular. I want to be the best at sports and I want to, I want to be with that popular group over there, and I just want to please my parents. And by junior year, I had all those things. I was the MVP on the school sports teams. I felt like my parents both seemed pretty pleased with me. And I was hanging out with this really popular group of girls, and they were the pretty girls, but I felt so empty inside, Mm -hmm. so empty. And I went to a dance one day and after the dance i was waiting out on the uh on the curbside for 45 minutes and i didn't have a ride but i was just pretending that i had a ride and my friend sonia came up to me and said hey do you want to do you want to ride i said sure and we're talking in the car and she said so how are you really doing and i don't know i just was really vulnerable with her like I never had been with someone like I have a terrible time. I'm on these friends group. They don't like me. And then she said, well, come hang out with me and my friends. And I said, Oh, okay. So I went to hang out with her and her friends and they were so kind. They were Christians. They were so kind and they were all different grades and they were so welcoming. And I started going to this thing called campus life, Mm. which is, I think campus, it's called Crew now, Campus Crusade, yeah, I've had heard a high of that. school outreach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I started going to that. Mm-hmm. And one night I spent the night with my friend, and we hung out with all these people from Campus Life, and they all came over to her house afterward. And we're hanging out in her bedroom, talking, and we all were sitting on the ground. And then this one kid, Lance, who... I've never been able to look up. I wish I could remember his last name. Opened up his Bible and started sharing the gospel in this group of teenagers. And he shared John 3.16. And he said, do you girls want to give your life to the Lord? And I just, after hearing John 3.16, for God so loved the world, yes, I want to give my life to the Lord. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. That really hit the core of what you needed. Yes. And then my friend had said yes to, and we, he said, well, why don't you just, we'll just say a prayer and you can repeat after me. And I remember being terrified. I'm not going to pray out loud, but I'll say it in my heart. So he was saying, you know, the sinner's prayer, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. And I was repeating every word in my heart with all my heart, and I was born again. That's awesome. And my friend said some kind of prayer, and I saw her two years later, and I said, you remember that day I spent the night in your house? And she goes, that didn't mean anything to me. I said, it changed my life. So the day I got saved, that next morning we woke up, and I felt like the sun was shining, and I just sensed this joy and presence in my life 
that I have felt since. And I, he, Lance had given me his Bible, and I took that Bible with me everywhere, and I would read it. And I was thinking, I should tell my dad. I should tell my dad that, that I got saved. So I'm like, hey, Dad, uh, what do you think about God? And he said, I'm the one who puts the food on the table. I'm the one who pays the rent. There's no room for God in my house. So as a junior in high school, I did not, at 16 years old, I didn't tell my dad right then that I was a Christian because I was afraid. And he's a very, he was and is a very outspoken atheist. Mm, I see. And we never really went to church growing up. Yeah. So what happened after that was I was just growing in my faith, mm -hmm. little by little reading, just kind of on my own. I'd never been to church. I'd gone to Catholic church. Mm -hmm. I had loving grandparents in Tennessee who I lived with one year during a hard year, and we went to church, Catholic church and confirmation okay. every week. But that was that was a, a beautiful, bright spot uh, in my life. But then I was, remember, I was a, a really good athlete, and I yeah. had gotten, uh, I gotten some looks for college. Yeah. And so I graduated, and um, I had gotten a full ride offer to Azusa Pacific University, which is a Christian college in California. Uh, yeah, I've heard of that. I actually know someone that's gone there. But can I ask, sure. what were, what were you good at? What sports was it? All around volleyball. Volleyball. Okay. Yeah, full you, ride in volleyball. You know, I played volleyball. Oh, really? <laughs> Recreational. <laughs> I wasn't very good. <laughs> I love basketball too. That was my first love. But at five eight as a center, I was all all region for rebounding. So you can tell I had my spunk back then too. Oh yeah. But my dad would not let me take that scholarship. I was only seventeen. He wouldn't let me take the scholarship because it was a Christian university. So. I thought I would pick Cal State Fullerton to go to instead of Cal State Long Beach because I knew Cal State Long Beach had a better volleyball program, mm -hmm. and I didn't think I would have a chance to walk on. had no Christian friends that I knew of at Cal State Fullerton, but I thought I could still probably play volleyball there. And I talked to the coach, thought about doing walk-on, and that week I thought I better find some new Christian friends. And I went to that club week, and I looked at all of the. I signed up for every Christian club on campus, mm -hmm. and I was, started going to a Bible study. And when I went to the Bible study, I thought, "Wow, these people really know God. They're not pretending." And I want to be like them. And at that point, I decided that I just forget about volleyball, and uh, just because I knew volleyball would end, but my life with the Lord would not. So I started going to church. I'd start going to prayer meeting. We did two-by-two two witnessing on campus. I was involved in a pantomime troupe where we went to different campuses sharing. sharing. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Meg. <laughs> this is really fun to hear. <laughs> Just a little carnival of yeah. little testimony. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> and I met met an amazing young man named Mike Gleesner, my Incredible husband, I met him there. But I started, uh, somebody was discipling me, and they said, do you want to go to church? And I thought, well, of course I do. That would be great. So it was October, and oh, and I was coaching a JV basketball team Yeah. at 17 at my alma mater. I coached JV basketball, which was pretty Whoa. cool. Yeah. And so I talked to my dad one day and I said, Hey dad, I wanted to talk to you about something. And he's like, yeah, what do you want to talk to me about? And I said, I want to go to church. And he said, you want to go to church? That's a bunch of BS and propaganda. And he was angry and he was yelling. And he said, you can go once, but if you ask to go again, you are not welcome to live in my house. And that was kind of a giant turning point in my life. So yeah. I, I had to think, what do I want to do? I, I prayed about it for a while. And because I had been hiding my Bible when I'd hear my dad walk by, I just hide my Bible under my yeah. covers. And yeah. I just thought, I just was so jumpy with that all the time. And, well, yeah. Right? <laughs> so I decided I wanted to go back. And so I said, 
hey, dad. And he was always great at giving hugs. He'd say, hey, when he got home, give you a big hug and mm-hmm. do this. There were some, like I said, there were some good things. And anyway, he gave me the biggest hug. And I said, dad, can we talk? And he said, about what? And I said, about church. And then he called my stepmom down. And we sat in the living room, and I was sitting on the coffee table, looking straight at my dad and my stepmom sitting on the couch. And they said, so, what do you want to talk to us about? They were stern. I said, well, I went to church, and I decided I wanted to go back. And my dad said, well, you know what that means, don't you? And I said, yes. And he said, so when are you leaving? And I said, I don't know. And my stepmother looked right at me and said, that's not good enough, Meg. We want a date. It was a Monday, and I said, Wednesday. And they said, you may not say goodbye to your sisters. You may not talk to them. And I found out later from my sister that they had told her that I loved God more than I loved her. And I never got to say goodbye. And we only cleared this up about eight years ago. I'm 53. Hard. The- yeah, and that was that was the turning point of my life. So I called my mm-hmm. mother, and she said, "I said, Mom, can I come live with you?" So my my words were wrong. Thankfully, my mom welcomed me in. Mm-hmm. And I lived with her and her boyfriend while I got to joyously grow in my faith and go to church and go to Bible study and read openly. So I appreciated and still appreciate God's Word and the freedom to pray. And my dad pretty much cut me off for a long time. I sent him a Father's Day card or a birthday card because I do care about them. And one day, my dad said, "Let's, let's meet up. You can come over. We'll have lunch. I came back to see my dad and... My stepsisters were there, and I came inside, and they were nine-year-old twins, and they both said, Meg, tell us about God. We want to know. And I was thinking, great. My first encounter with my dad and my sisters, uh, we ended up talking for a long time, and they got on their knees and gave their life to the Lord. That's wonderful. So many things have happened, Michelle, like that. My husband and I, well, we got married just after college, and over the years, what I've seen God do is my mom got saved at a tent meeting. She gave her life to the Lord. My brother started coming to church. He was on, he was rooming with somebody on drugs. He started coming to church. He's now married with three wonderful kids and trying to honor God with his life. My other brother gave his life to the Lord. My husband and I uh, have been married 30 30 years, and we moved up to Seattle 29 years ago to plant a church. And what I have seen, and I can't tell you how many different family members who have been in need have come to live with us over the years. And we've had people live with us who have said, I can't believe that you've—I want to know how you've forgiven someone who's— abused you. I don't understand that. I want to come live with you and see how you live. And to God's glory, this isn't about us, but this person told me they had more love in our home in three days than they had had their whole life. And I have seen the Lord use mine and my husband's home, instead of our home being a place of hurt, to be a place of healing. We've had Mm -hmm. tons of college students live with us to bring them in and to uh, to show them love. And when I think of our home, I, I want it to be an extension of God's home, to be loving and healing. And John fourteen two says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And we want... Our home still, even with two kids left, now we have grandkids coming along to be a place where God's love and healing is expressed. And 
three years ago, my father and my stepmother divorced after 35 years. And my dad, who had, he, all he had left was what he could carry in a pickup. After all those years. After all those years, all that he could carry in his car up the coast to live with his daughter, whom he had once kicked out. And we welcomed him in. And he came in the house, and he had his angry stance. He's still a very outspoken atheist. And within 24 hours, having the kids say, Hi, Grandpa Freddie. And seeing Mike and me, and Mike sitting with him, I think just seeing the love of our home, see my dad's heart melt. And so we've seen just that kind of thing over the years, and I'm just so thankful to God. He who is forgiven little loves little, and he who uh, is forgiven much loves much. Wow. That's amazing, Meg. I mean, the story that you've just shared— and how the Lord carried you through, even though you were persecuted, actually, for your faith. I mean, you you stepped out, and you knew after you shared your experience with your dad and the way he reacted that you were going to have to suffer for your faith, and you did that, and you stead, steadfastly kept, you know, honoring God and kept growing and just trusting Him and didn't ever give up. I mean, that to me is such a testament of your faith and your conversion and your just the sincerity that you had in accepting the Lord because of that scripture, for God so loved the world that He gave it. I mean, that just inc- was incredibly an incredible conversion for you because of what you came through. So I really appreciate the time you've taken to go through all the details of that, because it's very important for those that may be listening to to this podcast that may be struggling in, you know, maybe they've had to hide their faith, you know, because they're in the same circumstances, you know, so for them to hear your story and how God provided for you and kept you going and protected you by just continuing to be steadfast in your faith and now how he is using you. He brought your husband and your kids and and using your family. And, you know, it's just the Holy Spirit, you can see it and how God is just immersed in you and the presence of him in your life. So I really thank you for taking the time uh, to share. And I would like to know, since you guys planted a church, do you, I mean, are, are you in a, a formal church, you know, where you guys open the doors and is it more of a seeker church or do you just, you know, is your husband the pastor or is that how it's set up there in Seattle? We did house church for maybe fifteen years, and we okay. He was one of three pastors, and it was yeah a beautiful ministry. We had a campus ministry, and a it was open. I mean, we invited people, and yeah, you know, a smaller place. You get to love yeah. on people. You were the church close. too. I mean, you know, we are to be the church. Whether I mean, you know, we are to be the church, and so the testament of that. I mean. It's hard to forgive abuse and violation. It's hard that if you don't let that go, it can really turn into bad, very bad things in your life in the way you treat others. And I know personally. So I really want to honor this today. And is there anything else you would want to share? with the listeners that may be listening, that maybe you haven't, that might encourage them for healing resources. I know you talked scriptures and you've shared several, which I absolutely love because I really believe that there's so much incredible ministering and power in the scriptures. 
but is there any any anything else that you might want to share to help maybe someone who's listening that may be struggling with forgiveness just you know pain suffering you know outside of what you've shared well i think probably the thing that helped me heal the most and i never went to a counselor i was just part of god's part part of a church and being part of the community of god's people and i lived with the christian family for four years in college and seeing the love of a couple that was healthy and seeing parenting that was healthy and then uh, the lord blessed me with a loving kind husband whom i learned so much and i still learned about god's love from him that he wasn't mm-hmm. mad at me if i made a mistake or anything like that so i think surrounding yourself with people where you can see Mm-hmm. the love of God. And there's so many beautiful churches out there. We go to a big church now where we help with youth and have a life group, and we love mm-hmm. showing God's love to people. But I, I think being involved with a community. Mm-hmm. It's, it's powerful, isn't it? So, well, so, um, you know, what we'll do is we'll share this podcast and we will get you your own episode page. And then um, for those that want to contact you, um, we'll have all that detail out there um, where you're comfortable. If there's others that also want to listen to your podcast, we'll make sure that that's out there so they can listen to some of those stories that you have. And um little bio and just a few pictures and things like that as we get ready. So I just, again, want to thank you so much for taking the time to share your, your God story gift. Cause Meg, it's a gift. I mean, I think every story in your testimony of God's redemption or what he's done, how he's come in, how he's changed, altered you. And you know, it's when we put our trust and faith in him and we really do believe that he is the Lord and Savior of our life, and He can really begin to do such beautiful things in healing and all those things which He's done in your life. So it's a reflection of Him, and I want to thank you for taking that time. And so, again, friends, um, I hope you're blessed by listening to Meg's story. And uh, until the next show, be heard and be healed. Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org. 